Headlines. I'm Steve here with Evan. We're diving into the headlines of disc golf's biggest events here on the Stat Mando Podcast Network. We just saw some exciting disc golf in Norway at the PCS Open. On the MPO side, we saw a new winner for the year, a surprise name at the top of the leaderboard that no one was expecting. Evan, tell us about it. Yeah, Paul McWho. I'm just kidding. Uh, if you think we haven't talked about Paul McBeth in a while, y- you are right. Paul McBeth was on the longest elite or major win drought of his career. It has been 315 days since his last elite or major victory, which was at 2022 Worlds. And that's the longest streak we have seen. Of course, his previous longest was in uh, since 2011 when he got his first win was 287 days, which was between 29 GMC and 2020 DDO. Uh, and there's a little thing called COVID uh, affecting some uh, and canceling some events in between that, which uh, unfortunately uh, limited the opportunities. Paul McBeth was two strokes back going into the final round. This was the 15th time in his career he's overcome a deficit of two or more strokes in the final round of an elite or major event and going on to win. And lately, we haven't seen McBeast mode as much as we're used to. Uh, From 2012 to 2019, Paul McBeth averaged over two wins per year coming from behind in the final round. Yet, in the last four seasons, he has only done it three times now after the PCS Open, where he was two strokes back. We also saw it at 2020 Worlds, where he was three strokes back and pushed it to a playoff and ultimately won. And then at 2020 MVP Open, he was two strokes back before ultimately getting the win as well. So this is Macbeth's 58th Elite or Major win. It's the most ever at MPO. Waisaki's next at 41. It's his 18th DGPT Elite win. Um, that's behind Waisaki by two for second most in MPO. And after the two of them, the next closest are Heimberg and McMahon with only seven wins. It's Macbeth's 13th straight season with an elite win that ties Waisaki at 13 for the longest streak in MPO. And he just did it a couple weeks ago in Minnesota. Um, his streak started at the same time, the same year Macbeth's did in 2011. And the two of them have the second most total years behind Mr. Ken Climo, who has 19, the most unique years in which he's won an elite or major event. His most consecutive was 11, but we have to remember that when he started his streak, he really only had majors because the uh, national tour hadn't started yet. So he didn't have a major win in 2001. And otherwise, he had a win every year from 1990 to 2007. Um, Feldberg is the only other MPO player with double-digit years of elite or major wins, and he has 10. This now marks Paul McBeth's 14-career PDGA win in Europe. That includes seven majors, one elite, which was here at PCS, and three Euro Tour victories. Uh, the three others were also A tiers, and that's uh, six total A tiers if you include the Euro Tours above. Paul McBeth has now won in five different countries this year. That's the most unique countries with a win in Paul McBeth's career, beating out even the epic 2015 season. Uh, this year, he has seen wins in Mexico, the United States, Croatia, Sweden, which was twice, and Norway. Only one player has ever won in six countries in a single year. That's Michael Kudela 
of Slovakia, who did it in 2017, although he did not beat a single 1,000 or above rated player. But of course, still an impressive feat. You beat who you can play in all those different countries. Macbeth could tie this record with a win uh, this coming week in Finland at the European Open, which he has not won yet uh, in the 2023 calendar year. And then some notable players with five different country wins in a year along with Macbeth. We have to mention Dave Philberg, who was the first to do it in uh, 2009 and then did it again in 2010. And then Simon Lazat, hailing from Germany and playing all throughout Europe, did it in 2013 with 15 total wins across five countries. That's the most total wins in a year from this list of players who have won in five or more countries in a single year. And in 2013 for Simon Lazat, all of those wins came in Europe. He would go on to win his first event in the U.S. the following year in 2014. In FPO, Kristen Tatar wins again. Tatar is now 3-1 and one in Norway. She won the 2017 and 2019 Sula Open, and her only loss in Norway was when she took second behind Evelina Salonen in the 2018 Sula Open. Tatar has never lost an elite major or silver event when entering the, the final round with a three-stroke or greater lead. She's now 13 for 13 in that situation, and Evan put a note in here to remind me that's 100%. At Tatar's last elite win in Des Moines, she also had a three-stroke lead against Missy Gannon going into the final round. This time, Missy gave her a little more of a fight, tying it up um, towards the middle of the round, but Tatar emerged with a one-stroke victory. Tatar just keeps on winning. This is her 15th career elite or major victory. Twelve of those are elite specifically, with the three others being majors. In this season alone, it's her sixth elite major victory, which ties her career best, which she set last year in 2022. This was also a Eurotour event, uh, which it was Tatar's ninth Eurotour victory, which passes Natalie Holokoi, I hope I pronounced that close to being right, for the most Eurotour wins of all time, who had eight wins from 2013 to 2016. And Tatar now has nine wins from 12 Eurotour events played in her career. And her previous narrowest margin of victory in a Eurotour event was five strokes at the 2019 uh, Estonian Open. And then, of course, as Steve said earlier, she won the PCS Open this year just by a single stroke. Winning another elite boosted Tatar's record for most total points even farther. Her, it extends her historic Disc Golf Pro Tour points lead to almost 300 points over Katrina Allen and Missy Gannon. To put it into perspective, 300 points is two wins at a major elite plus or playoff events. Two full wins to get uh, past Krista Tatar. And her next two registered events are majors being the European Open, just coming this week, and Worlds a little bit later. But even if she doesn't play an Elite Plus or Playoff event, it'll be pretty hard to catch Tatar. All right, so let's talk about this Over Us disc golf course. Beautiful scenery, uh, really enjoyable to watch, and it seemed like the front nine played a lot easier than the back nine. Do the stats back this up, Evan? Well, let's start with MPO and looking at just Disc Golf Pro Tour Tour Card holders. So all these stats will be from just players who hold the Disc Golf Pro Tour Tour Card. The front nine averaged 2.94 strokes below par on average, and the back nine averaged 0.17 uh, average score uh, 
over two and a half strokes harder on the back nine. And this makes it the most difficult back nine from elite majors this season in NPO. It's also the largest difference between a front nine average score and the back nine average score this season. And that's absolute value, whether you consider the front nine harder or the back nine harder. It is the greatest difference. Uh, and I said it earlier, but the back nine was exactly 2.77 strokes harder on average. The next closest is Waco at 2.1 strokes harder. And then looking at just birdie rate by under par percentage, birdies are better. The front nine averaged 46%. The back nine was 33%, which by that metric, the back nine was the third hardest uh, back nine of the season from elite and majors. We only saw Glendevere West, one of the courses at the Portland open at 28% and the OTB open course at 30%. And that's just this season, right? So what about Northwood black? Yes. Your thinking is correct. Northwood black did play harder on the back nine than we saw at the PCS open. And that's again from tour card holders for this season, even though we're looking at last season for Northwood black, but to have the same player set at Northwood black last year, the front nine averaged 0.41 below par while the back nine averaged 1.41 over par. That's a difference of 1.82, which is less of a difference than the PCS open saw but a harder back nine overall. Let's look at just under par percentage. The front nine saw 29% uh, birdies or better, and the back nine saw 24%. Back nine played harder by under par percentage as well uh, compared to the front nine at Northwood Black, and both the front nine and back nine at Northwood Black last year played significantly harder than the PCS Open did by birdie percentage. Believe it or not, 24% on the back nine is not the hardest back nine of last season for elite and majors as far as a birdie percentage on the back nine. DDO had both courses play harder, again, with those crazy wins that we saw uh, with 19% under par percentage for both the Supreme back nine and the Emporia Country Club back nine. We also saw D-Glow featuring the Toboggan have a tougher under par percentage on the back nine with only 21% of players scoring below par. And what about for the FPO tour card holders? Believe it or not, the back nine was easier uh, for Disc Golf Pro Tour tour card holders. Both did play over par. We saw the front nine play 0.97 strokes over par, but the back nine was only 0.40 above par. So about a half a stroke harder for the front nine. And if we look at the birdie rate for both, the front nine was 21% and the back nine was 29%. So even a more obvious split for the back nine being a little bit easier. And if looking by just birdie rate, it was actually the fourth easiest back nine of the season for elite and majors. We saw the Las Vegas Challenge had one of their courses at 34%. Glendevere East at the Portland Open had 31%. And the OTB Open had 29%. Uh, and what do these courses have in common? They were the only elite and major events this year with both the front nine and back nine averaging under par at those courses. All right, well, looking at the, the rest of the FPO leaderboard, in second place, as we mentioned, Missy Gannon, she takes her fourth podium of, podium of the season, and that's tied for second behind Tatar. She's had a great season so far and will be playing at the European Open next week. 
Evelina Salonen takes third. It's her first podium on the elite or major scene since 2022 Des Moines. And the putter was looking good. It was the tee to green and OB that really bit her. So if she can clean that up, uh, she should be a favorite going into European Open. Haiti Lina finished in fourth. It's her best elite or major finish, but she has never placed outside the top 10 at an elite event in her four starts. Pretty impressive stuff. Hokum takes fifth, and then in sixth place, 15-year-old Norwegian Ida Emily Nessie, just 874 rated, makes the final round lead card, um, eventually finishes in sixth. That's the lowest rated player to make an elite or major lead card since Mandy Sharp, who is 868 rated. Um, she made the round two lead card at 2018 Idlewild which came just shortly after round three of 2018 DDO, where one Emily Beach made her elite debut and her first lead card at just 8.74 rated. Nessie has never competed outside of Norway. Um, she has 20 FPO standard stroke play event starts. Uh, this was her first elite or major event. And she has eight C-tier wins in FPO, where she's averaged 19.25 stroke victory um, in her four wins of this year. She's never finished outside of the top 10 in all divisions and tiers that she's played. And I mentioned she's 15 years old. She has not accepted cash yet. She did not accept cash at this event either, so she's still um, eligible for amateur um, titles as well. Rounding out the top 10, Lorenzen took 7th, Katrina Allen in 8th, Hannah Blomers in 9th, and Jessica Weiss and Ella Hansen tied for 10th, with Ella Hansen extending her top 10 streak, um, second behind only Tatar. Swinging it over to MPO, we of course have to mention James Proctor, who came into the final round with a lead, was looking great there until Macbeth ultimately caught him and passed him. He finished second, which was his best disc golf pro tour finish of his career, and ties his best elite finish, which was a second place at 2021 Masters Cup, which was on the PDGA National Tour. It's his 13th career elite or major top 10, with his first top 10 dating all the way back to 2015. He has been getting top 10s for a while now. But listen to this, over half of his career elite or major top 10s are from this season alone, where he has racked up seven top 10s of his 13 total. And an interesting stat for Proctor as he was fighting for the win, uh, he has 38 MPO wins in his career. 36 of those are on the West Coast of the U.S., which does include Nevada for this. He has two in Europe. He has no other wins anywhere in the world. He doesn't have a single win east of the Rockies in the United States in MPO. Uh, ridiculous that he's won multiple in Europe and was close to getting a third while only winning on the West Coast in the U.S. otherwise. Uh, and looking at his yearly splits for 2023 20, uh, compared to 2022, his birdie rate is almost 10% higher than last year, being 46.72 this year compared to 36.82. That's 9.9. That is very close to 10. And looking at his bogey rate, it's over 8% better, being 10.23 on the season this year compared to 18.41 last year. Rounding out the podium, Calvin Heimberg takes third. He now has nine podiums on the season, which is more than any player in MPO last season. If we go back to 2021, Ricky Wysocki had 11 podiums and McMahon had nine. 
The record for most elite or major podiums in a season is 15, set by Waisaki and Macbeth in 2017. Heimberger would have to podium six of the remaining seven events of this season to tie that record. Heimberg's still the best player in the world, uh, whether you look at DGPT points or the official rankings. He had a lackluster final round, and you may be thinking that Heimberg has been struggling to close out events. But if we look at his average round rating in final rounds, it's 1044.07. That's just narrowly in second behind Ricky Waisaki with 1044.22. However, that's over nine and a half points lower than his average rating compared to non-final rounds at 1053.75. So while he's performing it seems he's performing poorly in final rounds. It's really just because he's playing so well in the early rounds that it looks like he's falling off. Looking at the DGPT points, uh, Heimberg's solo third dropped another tie for third, gaining him a meager 5.67 points. As I mentioned, he's still in first place. Uh, he has two more T3s that he can drop with standard finishes. Um, or at Ledgestone, which is an Elite Plus event. Moving on, we have Eagle McMahon, who just missed another podium, finishing in fourth place, but that does make it his fifth top five in a 10 Elite Major starts this season. Ricky Wysocki takes fifth. James Conrad and Adam Hammes tied for sixth, with Matt Oram making his first European start of his career, first start outside the United States even, uh, finishing in eighth. And then we have a tie at ninth with Aaron Gossage, who falls from the lead card all the way to ninth. And the only European to finish in the top 10 was 15-year-old Yalmar, excuse me there, Fredriksson of Sweden, uh, who tied with Aaron Gossage for ninth. And then going one farther to 11th place, we have Paul Ulibarri, who earned his 200th career elite near major start in MPO at the PCS Open. He is the first player to reach 200, and of course, with that, he has the most all-time. Well, jumping back stateside, we saw the PDGA Masters Worlds go down. Some of the best players to ever play the game were represented at Masters Worlds. Going into the event, the field had a total of 212 total major wins so some true legends there joe revere takes it down in mp40 he's your back-to-back mp40 masters worlds champion kale laviska goes back-to-back in second place at mp40 majors on the year and then the own scoggins takes down her third fp40 masters title in a row she had a 15-stroke victory. Her previous two titles came with 14 strokes and 23-stroke victories. It's her second FP40 major of the year, fifth of her career, which puts her tied for fifth most in the division uh, for all time. In FP50, Juliana Corver wins by 28 strokes. I'll just let you think about that for a second. And we'll move on to Chris Smith, who in MP50 wins over Brian Schweberger. In rounds two and three, the lead card had Schwebe, who's won more pro events than any other player in PDGA history, and Mike Mosier, who's won more MPO events than anyone in PDGA history. Also, Ron Converse and Chris Smith on that lead card. That lead card had a total of 799 PDGA wins, and with Smith taking it down, he made it an even 800 wins for that grouping. 
MP55 winner was Hank Kerwin. FP55 winner was Kelly Jenkins, her third major podium and first win. In FP60, Pamiflage Renke takes it down. Fourth world title, ninth major title. In FP65, Sandy Gast wins her third world title and ninth major title. Jay Gobrecht won in MP65 for the second year in a row. Randy Beers won MP70 for his third major title. And Carlos Rigby takes it down in MP80 for his eighth major title. Evan, do you want to guess how many strokes he won by? Well, if you're teeing it up to me, it's got to be a big number. Let me guess uh, 55 strokes. 138 strokes. And that's your Masters Worlds rundown. I wasn't even close. But let's close it out with this fun stat. You may have seen the double skip ace from Anneli Tugas Maniste over in Turku this past weekend. Uh, you may have also seen a picture of her very colorful scorecard, where in seven holes she carded an ace, which is a hole-in-one, a birdie for a two, both a par three and a par four, or a par on a par three and a par on a par four, however you want to word that, a five, which was a single bogey on that hole, and then a six and a seven, which were both double bogeys on those holes. There have only been three previous players since 2021 to score a one through a seven in a round from major, elite, silver, Euro series, throw pink, whatever top level events you want to consider in this, uh, scored on PDGA Live. But from all the ones we have seen, it would make her the first person in that time frame to score all seven different scores, one through seven, within seven holes. The other three that we mentioned were throughout the whole round and not within a just seven hole time frame. But to review those other ones, we have Paige Shu, who did it in round four of the 2022 Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship. Zach Arlinghouse, who in round two of the 2022 Ledgestone accomplished this. And Dan Schlitter in round one of the 2021 Ledgestone Open. That'll do it for today's episode of Head to Headlines. Tune into the European Open this week, and we'll see you again afterwards here on Head to Headlines. Mm-hmm.